0: Welcome to the Marie Kondo focused podcast that doesn't quite yet have a name, but we'll come up with something terrible later. Um, this is our first episode. I am your host Eric Kaoli, and with me here is Kenny Deakins. Hey, welcome. Thanks yeah. for thanks for tuning into our um, into two guys talking about <laughs> the life changing magic of tidying up. Um, re- recently debuted on Netflix as a uh, what do you call it? A, a, a tv show well it's a tv show but it's a specific kind of i, I wonder if there's a, a genre for it
1: yeah like i would a, call it i would call it the the like i mean like i the, the canonical example for me is who we are I for the straight guy it feels like very in that vein of shows that, that's
0: a that's a really interesting comparison that you'd make because i think the immediate one that people went to are the sort of um intervention shows or hoarders yeah i i
1: we can talk about this a bit more as we get into it. I find it a lot. Those shows are very are very based around make a spectacle of the houses they're cleaning up. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways, they're like those. I put in the same vein as like um, the like My Strange Addiction show, where where it's sort of like you're supposed to like look at these people in disgust, um, <laughs> uh-huh. in, in some sense, and like you know they like and and feel glad it's not you. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I feel like this is just sort of like there's you know you might not relate to everyone equally but but it's not like they didn't go out and find the most the the most messes they found it just like and I I haven't watched like all the episodes but there's like a range of like stuff that people have and like you know it's sort of dealing dealing with um you know a range of things you can do to make any sort of household you might have better anyway yeah
0: so far I've only watched one episode so far so I'm not quite familiar with with the rest of the range but it's not taken to extremes from what i've seen as you'd see with intervention and it or or hoarders yeah um i i guess it's it's a it's a happier experience as a result less stressful
1: yeah it it feels it feels more positive and you know i i think i think when you see those things maybe the point is to feel good about your like less disaster of a house and be like yeah like my house is maybe a little bit messy, but at least it's not that bad. Instead of sort of, I feel like one of the big takeaways from from um, the life changing magic of tidying up is that sort of like any house could use like a little bit of improvement that will make you happier in your day to day life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what our podcast is going to be talking about. This show, maybe, maybe adjacent tidying content.
1: Yeah, yeah, just sort of. I mean the, it's we're we're gonna go into the condo extended universe as I like to call it.
0: <laughs> so okay, so what do you know of Marie Kondo's work? Yes. Or of Marie Kondo? Um
1: so I I had not read her book. I had knew it existed. Um my, my partner, um, Claire is pretty pretty into it. And so I got in sort of like secondhand knowledge of it and sort of um also i'm not like a terribly tidy person um was not a terribly tidy person as a kid and sort of that continued into an adulthood for a while um and have become more tidy as i've I've lived with with her for a while um and sort of but sort of this book came into she read it um a year or two ago and sort of i so i have a bunch of like secondhand knowledge of marie kondo but never actually read the work, had just heard like some quotes and stuff and some of her ideas.
0: Yeah, so I tried to read her first book. Um, the uh, It goes by the same name that the the Netflix series is, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I just found that uh, I was having a difficult time reading it. And then it turns out they released like a comic version of it, like uh, a, a manga that... Uh, that pretty much distills everything from the book. And I read that and that was a lot more digestible and told in sort of a story format. And uh, yeah, it's available in in English. I'll, I'll put a Amazon affiliate link to, to it. I didn't know about that actually. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a link. It's uh it actually makes it entertaining to read. And um, I don't, like I said, it's more approachable, more digestible as, as a, uh, as opposed to I don't know. I have a I have a tough time reading a lot of nonfiction. Yeah, yeah I mean obviously obviously we all know pictures
1: are better than words. <laughs> yeah. And and so sound is also better than words and pictures and sound is best um moving pictures yeah. to be precise.
0: But and, and so she had also um she's released a follow-up book called Spark Joy. Uh, spark Joy being a very common phrase she uses in her, her system for tidying. And that kind of goes deeper into um, a, a, lot of, a lot of her, um, like, arguments for how you should handle your tidying. And it has a lot of more nuance so that there's less confusion with, with like, because uh, a lot of people think that her rules are very firm and not flexible. And she kind of clears that up and just provides you with a, a bit more info on that. And that I listened to as an audiobook from my library. And that was a lot easier to I get because I tried to read that as a book too, and I only got into a chapter. And yeah, I couldn't do it. So yeah, but the
1: audio book helped. It's
0: interesting because I I I have like a bit of the
1: reaction to Spark Joy you were talking about, where sort of like I didn't really know what that meant um, mm-hmm. when you know when like uh, Claire started talking about it, having read this, um, and sort of it seemed extremely aggressive to me in some sense that like. You know, that's like only keep the things that spark joy. It was just like a very high standard to me. And I was like, well, what, yeah. what about my toothbrush? You know, my, to- <laughs> my toothbrush is just chilling. Um, and I think, you know, I haven't I haven't read read her book yet, but I think I'm starting to get a bit of an idea of it as I watch the show. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think my understanding of what exactly she means like that and what exactly her ideas are will progress over time. But um I, I think I I I agree with you that that is like one of her big phrases, and is is um I think can be a bit intimidating in, in a lot of senses.
0: Yeah, and an, and annoying if I, you're not really familiar with it. I can very easily see how you would you would say that phrase and someone would like suplex you because because <laughs> it sounds very judgy or it sounds very um. Like almost, almost like a hippie phrase. That yeah, you can throw throw at someone, but yeah, um, I kind I do want to go more into, um, our backgrounds and our our knowledge, but I guess we should just as a quick primer on what her method is. Uh, essentially, she asks you to um, go through different categories in your home, like clothes or books or um. um Scraps of paper, mementos, and um, sentimental things, and go through them like go through each of those categories uh, one at a time, and pick pick up every single thing that you want to go through, and decide whether or not it sparks joy in you, whether or not this makes you happy, and that will drive whether or not you keep it. And if it doesn't spark joy, you throw it away, and. Like you said, it could it could be a very intimidating idea getting rid of a lot of stuff and only holding on to whatever adds some magic to your life. Yeah, I think I think that's um that's a good description of yeah, and what it's, I understand it's very of her diff- method. Yeah, it's very different from how I grew up with um how I would clean and how I would hold on to things. Basically I would try to um the word just just keep everything that ever came across my hands yeah i I never got got rid of anything basically the same (laughs) (laughs) and especially if it was free like oh yeah i've got to have it like it was never it was never do i need this or how will this clutter my life it it was oh i i mean part of it is coming um as like as uh, coming from like a first generation immigrant background where my mom was not wasteful about anything mm-hmm. and made made sure she she squeezed life out of every single thing <laughs> that she she had that uh um to make sure that it was not only like appreciated but i don't know, just let nothing go to waste yeah
1: yeah i i also like you know like growing up it was just sort of like really like it was, it was just like yeah this thing's cool i like that and then it never went away Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, keep it forever yeah or or just like um i love finding like uh like you know like old junk basically that was like yeah. my favorite and you're like take it apart and like look at all the cool like nuts and bolts and stuff
0: yeah and, and god forbid you ever find two or three things in the same category that you like because now you have to start a collection mm-hmm. and now you're just actively seeking out adding more and more
1: I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I I grew up sort of like in a very messy household. And I like loved that as a kid, because as a kid, it was just like, you know, you just you like every you could like run making a mess is great. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. And like, as a kid, um, as a kid, it was just like, it was like a blast. And like, I felt like, I really got a lot of freedom as a kid to like really have a great time all, a lot and like really like make some like wild ideas and like make do crazy shit with your friends and stuff like that. Um, so I have like very fond memories
0: of just making a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun and you didn't want anyone to clean it up, exactly. And, and- I, I, I hate, I hated my mom coming into my room, yeah, and then deciding clean it up or that she needed to clean it up
1: um and i think i think one big thing that actually changed for me as i became adult is i started getting really bad allergies um mm-hmm. and i'm like i wasn't like totally conscious of this but like it be it, you know it got to a point where like i would i started like going into places and as you could just like look when things are a mess it means there's like dust and like stuff hiding and like you're about to have a bad time <laughs> and and like you know you're gonna you're gonna be real sneezy in like an hour um mm-hmm. and real congested and just feel terrible and so that was sort of a big shift for me in a lot of ways it was like as i as i grew older just like messes became associated with like aller allergies to me um if that makes sense
0: yeah also you go from growing up if if you're privileged enough to have grown up in a house, and then as you move out to your own place, you go to like dorms where you have a lot less room yeah, to work with, that's also and totally an apartments, thrill. and you just you just can't hold on to your collections and have a lot. I mean, you can, but it's not it's not feasible for. Um, for whatever your living space might be,
1: yeah, I'm I'm living in, in New York City, um, in like you know a, a one-bedroom apartment with with like 700 square feet, um, and it's it just sort of like you you know if you if you don't get rid of stuff, it fills up real fast, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's sort of like you really you really have to use your space well to like make things livable, and sort of like you can't afford to have too much crap. If you want to like have space to do anything,
0: so for me, um, living out in the Midwest where you can buy a home for like twenty dollars, pretty much, um, so we have a lot of room, a lot of closets, uh, three bedrooms, a basement, and it might sound like it's 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 you're less prone to having too much stuff going around, but the thing is, when you have that much space. That much living space you just find ways to fill it up and then you come up with excuses to to put different things in different rooms and you can have just as much a problem as someone with a much smaller space where you just have too much stuff and that you're tripping over all the time and tables overloaded with lots of junk it's very easy for that to happen
1: yeah yeah i I mean i can imagine (laughs) i mean i mean that's a lot of a lot of where i grew up it was you know i grew up You know, a house.
0: Um, I didn't have that bad of a problem except in my room because I was a kid who loved making a mess. Yeah. And I, okay, my cleaning habits were really terrible where I maybe every quarter I would just spend a day cleaning and getting rid of a whole bunch of stuff where Marie Kondo's method is very much more, um, you're always kind of tidying up everything has a place and you don't have all this stuff taking up all this room. So you don't have to spend every few months getting rid of half of the things you own. Yeah. that that, that.
1: Let's, 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 let's move on a bit. I think, I think, I think we've sort of covered a lot of our background and, you know, sort of some, some of the basics of Kondo. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure that we're, we're more interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure we're more interesting than Marie Kondo and her show as much as we like to talk about ourselves. Yeah, it's, that's true. She's she, <laughs> uh,
1: I I mean I I've only, you know, I've only really seen one two episodes and we're only going to talk about the mm-hmm. first one. But before, that, are you already are
0: you already charmed? Yeah, I like her. Yeah. She's um I don't I don't know what it is. She's just very charming, very charismatic. She's got a nice her, smile. Her yeah, that's the key. Yeah, definitely. And uh, she's just very uh very cheerful or very um just something about her is not not judgy about <laughs> the messes that she encounters yeah
1: i think and she she really isn't it's really imp- yeah you know all the the people at, at some point are like is your house do you ever i assume you never have a mess and she's like no 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 i have a lot of messes you know and i have like she like Manage manages to like humanize herself in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and i feel like that's that's key
0: yeah and you get the sense that a lot of the people that she's helping with are embarrassed and like you said kind of kind of say oh your life must be perfect but mm-hmm. they've they've very much idolized her as well and presenting their mess is very <laughs> it's, it's very um Embarrassing for them. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, you think about like the genre of shows it's in. Also, you can think about like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, where like Gordon Ramsay comes in and is like, "I'm the greatest chef ever, and you're a buffoon, and run- running this restaurant terrible, and you can never compete with me." um And then, and then, like, helps them out a little bit, but it's always sort of like
0: this huge confrontational, yeah,
1: and this huge like asymmetry of like prestige and. Um, I think I think sort of she does a really good job of like normalizing herself um, so that she doesn't like stand on a on a hill of like the cleaning guru who you is untouchable and perfect.
0: Yeah, I think it's because of how positive she is and just I, I want to defend her. From all the critics that I see <laughs> online, all, all, all the, um, all the people trying to, um, to, to rile me up on Twitter mm-hmm. right now by, by speaking ill on Miss Kondo's name, and, uh, do we want to get into? That oh, we, I want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, we do. We definitely have to get into, it, to, um, the different beefs that we've seen, or that we've seen people invent. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can't, you, I mean, do you, you can't really beef
1: with Comrie unless you don't even let, unless <laughs> you're just like a clown.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, why don't you, why don't you tell me what's been
1: going on? All right. So, so there's so the bit, so the, the Condo Beef of the Week is Condo V-Books, which is, um, <laughs> V-Books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some, someone, someone wrote, wrote an article about it, um, you you don't always send me this
0: article, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the beef credit for this one, so you can you can present it. Okay, so I think it started with a tweet by um, I think her name is Anaconda Schofield Sh- Schofield. Um, she says, "Do not listen to Marie Kondo or KonMari Marie in relation to books. Fill your apartment and world with them. I don't give a shite if you throw out your knickers and Tupperware, but the woman is very misguided about books." Every human needs a very extensive library, not clean, boring shelves, which um, so she's criticizing uh, Marie Kondo's method of just keeping the books that spark joy in you and not holding on to books that you might not necessarily read or return to or that you don't have strong feelings about.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's what's your what's your take on this on Bookgate? <laughs> Bookgate, um,
0: I think it's it's a it just makes me so angry, Kenny. <laughs> I, I want I, I want to drop drop kick my microphone, uh, over this. It it seems like a willing, like just inventing drama where where there isn't like like completely misreading what what she's presenting, what she's um. Just being obtuse about throwing away your books that you don't care about.
1: Yeah. So, so the way I read the article was what, which she she expanded on was basically that she was saying that books should cause more emotions than just happiness in you, um, and that they should challenge you and sort of make you make you feel a whole wide ray of emotions, which I think is mm-hmm. true. But I, I'm not I'm not sure if that is what is meant by spark joy though i'm not an expert but my actual take is that books are bad and (laughs) we should just we should just watch tv because tv is a lot better and we should listen to podcasts and uh you know fahrenheit 451 um ray bradbury said the purpose point of that book was that people were watching tv and they're gonna give up on books and everyone was mm-hmm. like it's about fascists and it's not and he's like no it's not it's about how tv's bad um but i think i think for fahrenheit 451 if you really read it paints a pretty good future where it's just like everyone everyone has all their walls covered in tvs and you get this awesome tv experience all the time um and, and it sounded great to me and this guy was just whiny about whining about books all the time but everyone's sitting chilling so we should we should burn the books
0: you're terrible Uh, i i I don't think anyone's gonna gonna side with you there well that's
1: fair
0: they probably (laughs) yeah so so uh her her article so i guess she started off with a tweet and then it was uh, a full article on the guardian titled what we gain from keeping books and why it doesn't need to be joy but it, it just the idea that arguing that marie kondo says that um the books have to give you joy and no other emotions seems very silly to me. And uh, I, I think when I was, was talking to you about it on Slack. I called this the author, a clout chaser and uh, just as opposed to us we are a clout chaser, no. the clout chaser. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're inventing our beef with the, the other beef inventor, but yeah, I, it doesn't make sense to me hmm. why, why you would make this argument that Marie Kondo does not seem to be making at all. I mean if if it makes you feel a strong emotion, that to me is a sign that it's resonated with you and that you should keep it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I would say I I my my earlier joking aside about burning books, um I I I don't totally know um Kondo's take on books. Um and um so i i I will i will defer to you but it seems (laughs) to me that what you're saying is probably correct that um spark joy is maybe a shorthand for um you know causes emotion in you and that joy is probably the most common one you around you want around your house or like a sense of ease and happiness is like honestly what i would really what i really would like you know From stuff around my house for the most part is you know it's a place i want to be like feel okay and comfortable um but that you know i can i can sort of like look at my books and be like oh i remember reading this and here 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 are my complicated thoughts about the contents of this book
0: yeah so i think some of the books that she recommended getting rid of are things like textbooks that you have held on to for no reason i oh i just got i actually just
1: got rid of a bunch of those
0: I kept yeah, some other they're, they're ones not, that,
1: were, that were pretty meaningful to me.
0: Yeah, well, those spark joy with you. But there somewhere some where you, you might feel like you're going to return to them one day and you never do. And there's no reason for you to hold on to a lot of textbooks. And also, like, books that you bought that you don't feel anything any strong feelings about. And then you thought, oh, I'll return to them one day. And then you just never do. And it's okay to get rid of them yeah and not have them in your house cluttering up your shelf anymore and also like some people just buy books to display them on their shelves and so people will see those books and think a certain thing about them
1: yeah i mean my my bookshelf is just 21st edition copies of the odyssey <laughs> next to 21st yeah. edition copies of infinite jest and i've read them all well i've read the first page it, of them all
0: yeah, you definitely staged your bookshelf yeah, extreme, uh, when I visited you <laughs> last stage. month. You saw that I, I was looking, copy
1: of The Odyssey.
0: Yeah, I, I was looking at it. I was like, huh, first edition. And then you're like, open it up. Signed by the author.
1: <laughs> by, by Mr. Odyssey. The, Odyssey, the yeah, author of I, The Odyssey. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this should be in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if do you really need 21st edition you could throw out 19 of them you don't need to hold on to them
1: one, one interesting thing I read was um a long time it was about so like libraries have like huge overflows of books that they have because people mm-hmm. like donate to libraries and books and stuff all the time and they like like literally have just like warehouses full of them that like people never read and they don't know what to do with and so like when the computer age came around um they're like listen we need to get rid of some books and we need to do a better than random. So write a computer program. And what they came up with is, okay, well we'll get rid of some of the books that people read the, the least. And they accidentally got rid of a bunch of books that were like only copy in existence because, you know, they were sort of like obscure texts. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would, I, because they were like, no one had ever checked them out, but they, you know, they were sort of very, you know, like a lot of the stuff people check out a lot are like, more popular stuff that people read more um and then so we we got rid of a bunch of classic books so that was i'll take i'll take a, my bad from computer programmers and um we should maybe have more complicated theories of value than use for books I'll, i think i'll agree on that
0: yeah that, that's a conmary gone wrong yeah
1: but I, it's hard to argue that Comrie did not personally burn those books.
0: So another thing that really bothered me with <laughs> the, this argument that um that I've seen online is there's this assumption that you just get rid of the books, like you're you're throwing them in the in the garbage or you're you're throwing them in the fire as you'd prefer, and just no one could ever enjoy them again. But there's lots of places you can donate them to. I mean, you can you can get a store credit by bringing them to a used bookstore, or you could donate them to a library or to um to prisons or to um what is it like? Because they have those uh those little outdoor boxes set up now where you can stuff books in and then people can read them for free. I think that's a
1: that's a great point. Is that other people can read them, and if you're mm-hmm. not if you're not reading them right now. And they don't really give you strong feelings, and you're not going to read them in the future. It seems like if you really thought books were good, it would be best to give them to someone else. And so, sort of the uh, the Kamri method of saying, "Okay, hey, which of these books are really important to me?" And then I'll get rid of them. Can you know can help spark joy in other people's lives in the medium of books?
0: Yeah. Plus, books are really heavy. They really are. You're like when when you have to move, it it's the worst because you fill a box with them and then you fill it to the top and then you don't think it's going to weigh that much. But it turns out a box full of books is way too heavy. You have to fill it up like halfway. Well, when you think about it,
1: it's it, a bunch of books is basically a tree.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to be carrying a tree around with you or lots of trees or a whole forest with you just because you're moving to a new house. Yeah.
1: You know, I I, did, I had to move my books a bunch as I moved to different apartments.
0: That's a pain. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I think I think we covered this beef.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, in conclusion, books are bad. Yeah, hard to argue. And get r- get rid of get rid of all of them. So let's let's talk about the the episode that we did see, even though there were no books in them. Yeah, there there wasn't books <laughs> did in you... them. Yeah, did you notice that it was definitely a family oh maybe they left out that part but i was like huh they just skipped over the <laughs> yeah books they, she, she introduced
1: her acronym of like the categories of stuff you need to clean uh-huh. and i was just like and then she just like skipped over it was like bread or something i forget what the acronym was <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
0: what
1: is, what is it
0: <laughs> no I, I i don't know but yeah, she had an uh, we're, acronym. we're doing a great job we're doing a great really informed podcast yeah, it, was, it was like bread <laughs> we'll
1: call stupid.
0: we'll call it bread yeah
1: um and the the okay yeah and, and then she just like skipped over three of the categories well because that was actually my first impression yeah. of of the show was i was like holy shit this apart this house is like pretty clean
0: uh-huh that
1: that was you thought so? yeah i was like they don't have that much like this is pretty fine And i think that goes back to what you were saying about like hoarders is we're so used to anything about like this kind of subject being being like super like
0: the most extreme yeah because even when you looked at the before and after shots of their home and it wasn't that dramatic of a change yeah so just just so the listeners know who we're talking about the first episode starred the family real family the friends, that was their last name, Friend, Rachel and Kevin Friend, and their two kids, Jackson and Ryan, in California. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into how Jackson spells his name, but
1: Jackson's so, super
0: cute. Now, or her name. But, but her name. Yeah, she, the kids they, were super cute. They were very cute, cute great kids. kids. Yeah, um, Marie Kano seemed to really enjoy her time yeah. with them. And there were some good gags with, with the kids. Mm-hmm. But yeah, their home, essentially, what we went through tidying was their their clothes, their kitchen and their garage. It seemed to be what the focus was Yeah,
1: on. and you know, my initial impression was like, oh shit, they're super tidy. Like this is the, I mean, this is like not too bad. Um mm-hmm. and then like we got to the clothes. And I was like, okay, there is a lot of clothes and okay, the kitchen's like a little bit of a mess. And the garage is like I feel like it's really easy to think of a garage as not part of your house because it's it's not heated and so it's just it's cold. <laughs> and it it, it, yeah. it it's just like it's really easy to think of a garage as like not part of your house. And so I think it's really common to have just put junk in your garage because you don't think of it as a place you live. So that was, was, that's what they cleaned. And I think one of the, one of the big things about this um, was they were talking about how they had recently had their second kid, um, like not too long ago. And that the, they felt that uh, the, the dad, Kevin was like neat on the neater side and Rachel felt she was really struggling with all the energy she had to spend with the kids, um, to like really yeah. keep up to to what he felt was like how neat the home should be, um. Mm-hmm. And sort of, you know, the the episode was partially about sort of like, hey, here's what you know, here's how you can tidy up when you have young kids.
0: Yeah, and it they really kind of focused on the stress in their relationship as, as a result of, of their struggle to keep the home tidy in. um, I I think Rachel, the, the, the wife being frustrated that she wasn't able to do as much as she thought that she should be doing to to clean and also take care of her children. And Kevin kind of being disappointed with nothing being tight. No, not nothing, but like, it not being up to a standard, yeah
1: and i and i think i mean like i definitely you know i mean like obviously like there is the power of editing but like you mm-hmm. know they they did seem a little snippy um and they it did it did definitely seem like you know they it was like some underlying tension and some underlying stress like coming out and how they talk to each other um and i i did feel like they see especially kevin seemed a lot calmer and happier in the later episodes after they had tidied up and felt a lot better.
0: Yeah. and When, when we were watching, um, my wife and I, when we were watching the first half of it, though, I was like, I, I, I need to record a podcast and dunk on this guy because I was not... <laughs> I was just really annoyed with how... I don't know. I felt like he put a lot of the blame on on Rachel for... For on the high, I, and... I agree.
1: I, I felt like he had these standards, but then like expected her to do it all. And I think, all right, yeah. So, so one of my big notes from this episode was I just underlined the word capitalism a bunch of times. Um, and I I, th- I think, I think there was like two ways in which this happened. Like, one in which like the guy was working like 50, 60 hours a week. And that seems, you know, when you're supposed to be helping raise kids, that's a lot. And, you know, no one should be expecting anyone with new kids to be working that much. Um, And secondly, I think so capitalism arose. And one of the big things about capitalism is it is it has this idea of the labor market. And part of the labor market is that people are supposed to be able to move to where the jobs are and where jobs are needed. Um, And what this does is it causes people to have to be highly mobile, which sort of tears family extended families apart and communities apart. Which means that whereas previously when you were raising kids, which is, you know, point in time, which all of a sudden you need to put it, put in a lot more work, you know, is a lot of energy you need to sort of establish to like young kids instead, you know, sort of you're only the immediate nuclear family. And so you don't have maybe the grandparents helping or other people, other, other families. And it makes it really hard to, to raise kids because you, you don't have all this help that Normally, throughout human history, you would have had to sort of raise raise kids and give you all this extra effort. And so, what we see is that you know, and this and this is really important work. Like raising 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 functional, healthy human beings is sort of the entire point of society. Um, and it's also you know sort of a necessary part uh, of cap of capitalism. Is you need the humans who who participate in your labor market and work and make stuff to come from somewhere and they come from free labor of women and sort of, it's, it's the secret, um, backbone of capitalism is that there's this reproductive labor of women who are creating healthy human beings who can enter the labor market and actually go and do and build things like bridges. Um, you know, which is, which is in our society, often what we think of as the real work is, ah, um, building bridges is, is sort of the most, what society is all about. But really, in a lot of ways, the most important work is the is creating, you know, and maintaining healthy human beings who are functional um, and, and, you know, happy and stuff. And that's sort of traditionally women's work. But that's really the most important work of society.
0: Yeah, Kevin. So maybe lighten up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe.
0: Yeah, because
1: maybe. Kevin was like, just be like, oh, like, you need to, like, raise the kids and make the house nice and all this, like the woman's work while I'm like off doing, doing my, my job and that's what I do. And that's what you do, but sort of it's yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you summed it up pretty well.
1: Yeah. I, my, my, my brief history of Marxist, <laughs> Marxist feminist feminist. I like got from a million sources a million you, years you ago. You didn't
0: think uh Kevin picked that up in school? No.
1: Yeah. Marxist feminism.
0: It's good stuff. Alright, Kenny. What have what have, what have we learned in this episode?
1: Um oh and then yeah, sorry. Uh, my sure. other big takeaway is Marie Kondo did some shit I would describe as goofy hippie shit. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um and the the, the 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 I there was like two examples of it I really remember. One was when she greeted the the house. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I, I, at first I was like, Oh boy, I don't know about this one, but I, I, I was kind of convinced. I think one of the things you do when you like live in a place for a while is you get used to everything mm-hmm. and sort of really forcing yourself to like take a time out to just like sit there and like get the outlook of someone who doesn't live in this place and what things look like to them is like actually a useful thing to do every once in a while to sort of see it's almost like forcing yourself to see your house in a new light.
0: Yeah. I just taking a moment to appreciate that this, this place is, it's not just this place that is causing you all this stress because you have to figure out how to keep it clean. It's a place where you live. It's a place where your, your children live. It's where you are going to, to grow up with the people you love and you should love this place because it's allowing that to happen. Yeah, is that yeah. some hippie shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But
1: yeah, I, I would say I would say, um, one of the things I was surprised about that I, I don't think I was necessarily expecting was Marie Kondo has like a very human-centric view of the house, which, you know, seems obvious now that I'm saying it now, but is, is like, was like not obvious to me at all. Like tidying, tidying to me always felt like a thing you did to treat things with more respect than like people. Cause you know, when I was a kid, tidying was the opposite of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of the way she frames it is all about like, how do you make your house enable you to be like a healthy um, person and to have healthy relationships with the other people in your home and to raise healthy kids. And I feel like that was, I, I, it took me a while to get to that, but I, I thought that was really powerful.
0: Yeah, Marie Kondo's great.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I feel like she's a she's a great human. Um, we we really does we, help people out.
0: We were ta- we were starting to talk about this a bit earlier about um. One of my favorite things that she was doing in the kitchen when she was she was teaching the friends how to how to clean that up, or how to tidy that up was she would recommended getting all these little containers to put in different drawers. And oh yeah. And just to keep everything separated and with like tools and things like that and not cluttered and, and all mixed up so that you're rummaging through every drawer trying to find the one thing that you're looking for. And it just made me want to, to go to Ikea and buy organizers for every single thing in my life. Like my, my dressers, my, <laughs> my kitchen mm-hmm. drawers, all my I, – I love packing cubes. Oh, for, for when you're going around oh you know because when i came up there yeah you were, <laughs> you were all like, about the packing cubes <laughs> you were really surprised that i had uh j- just came in with one bag and i was like no i got them i got all my packing cubes in here mm-hmm. i
1: mean it's like cold and when it's cold like your jacket is like a suitcase that's true there's nothing worse than flying somewhere warm when it's cold and like you have this jacket you have to like deal with for the whole time so i guess <laughs> no, you're, flying, I got... you're flying cold to cold so you're you're gucci
0: uh, <laughs> alexis got me this this um little strap that you hook onto your your bag and so you can strap your jacket to it like roll it up oh that's good i like that it's convenient and it's it's another one of those those kind of organizational things that you can get <laughs> mm-hmm. that that i've been obsessed with like she also got me this um the, a, a dot bag you know what those are for like toiletries and stuff like that are those the clear ones well there's you can get clear ones or you can get not clear ones I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> like fancy, fa- fancy leather ones mm-hmm. which or like whatever material I got a nice one of those to like hold my toothbrush and uh, all my my skincare tools and and um razor and all that stuff and I don't know I I love organizing lots of stuff into a pouch or or container in mm-hmm. a drawer it's one of my favorite joys. I
1: don't have that one, but I respect um, it, and I, I think I think Claire has a lot of that, and I, I really appreciate what it does for our apartment. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think I, there was a great tweet I read that was like, um, "Every every millennial man is um, lives lives in an apartment on a." with a mattress on the floor next to his PS2 and is dating a girl who looks perfect Instagram perfect all the time <laughs> and I, I think I think it is um, you know I, I feel that like I I could have gone down that route more and I I don't know how to feel about that
0: um, it it's not far from the truth I think most most men, have a very basic apartment or home setup, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's very sad. <laughs> a lot of the the bachelor apartments that I see, yeah. it's like it's very obvious. Like, oh yeah, a bachelor lives here. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't life to this place.
1: I think this this gender division of labor is damaging to everyone because you know it causes men to live like this <laughs> and for women to yeah. have to pick up after our shitty ass messes, um, and. So teach teach. I feel like you just need to teach teach your all your kids to like how to how to have a healthy relationship with tidying.
0: And I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say teach all your kids to seize the means of production. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, yeah. But... <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even get into the other Guardian article that I saw that was also coming after. I mean, this condo. All
1: these all these <laughs> episodes are out. We can we can save it for next week.
0: Yeah, well, it was just it was another one themed after like like capitalism and just like how about just stop buying things oh boy and that was that was the argument of like th- this is the the excuse i'm going to come up with so need, that we i need can a have
1: for next week and we're we, i mean we they, they, That's they, uh, true. it's netflix they released all their episodes at once so we gotta
0: okay okay Let, let's let's wrap it up so that we can can start recording our next episode as as fast as possible since um people are gonna forget that the show came out in a few months once that <laughs> netflix releases its Baby. next thing yeah so I what know. what did you learn in this episode or what did you learn this week kenny
1: um i feel like i I learned a lot actually which is unusual mm-hmm. usually usually when i'm around you i just find myself getting exasperated <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um but i i felt like i like especially this episode I really learned. Um, well, I mean, this was this was my first my first um, time like really listening to Cam Marie and having her do her thing. And I feel like I I learned that she's a really great human who puts humans first, which isn't something I was expecting. And that you know, I, I think I understand a lot of where she's coming from with her her attitude towards tidying and about how it can make you happier and make your relationship with other people better and make you healthier and them healthier.
0: That was really sweet, Kenny. Thank you. Um, I think I learned, I, yeah, I actually did learn some stuff this episode when you, while you went into your rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, cause I never had that. Uh, I never took, took the classes or got educated on sort of like Marxist feminist beliefs that uh that you you dropped all the knowledge on I'm, I'm i got i sort of absorbed a lot of it through alexis but i i didn't know a lot of the terms so i was like oh um reproductive labor that's a great way to put put what you're describing and um the the sort of effort and uh that goes into raising a functioning human yeah and yeah so i, I was I, I was actually informed
1: yeah, I'm, I'm glad um you know, I, after, after the fourth take of, of that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I guess our, our listeners also learned that, um, if you, you come after Marie Kondo, I will cut you. Yeah. So. <laughs> we, we all learned so don't something. Try me. Yeah. Don't try me. Pull up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, oh yeah. We need to come up with a name for this podcast.
1: Yeah. I, my default my f- default suggestion, which you need to beat, is condo cast. Notably, the cast has a K.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because alliteration is the cheapest trick. Like outcast, you you come oh, yeah, outcast. That's, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, yeah, because like the ones I came up with were were similarly alliterative, mm. which was like c- condo colleagues. Oh, that's con- pretty good. Condo co- condo comrades. Oh, condo even better. <laughs> I feel like oh, yeah, I really leaned into that one yeah I mean, that that's that's very uh appropriate okay I'll just go through the other ones even though they're not as good uh condo confidants okay. um this is that's pretty good. way
1: better words than me
0: no i got I got the thesaurus page pulled oh, up okay. for uh condo cronies yeah yeah I've got the yeah I have the thesaurus page pulled up for, for crony. My,
1: I just got it <laughs> I got it condo condo 2018. What? no wait no what was the year with the with the con- condo 20
0: 2012 oh
1: coney
0: no get get the <laughs> fuck out of here kenny no i can't believe now we have to put an explicit tag on this podcast because of your fucking shenanigans <laughs> god damn it kenny. <laughs> okay um everyone th- thanks for listening let us know if if condo comrades sits well with you even th- <laughs> Oh my God, this is terrible! All right, thank you all for listening to um to our inaugural condo comrades cast. Oh no, that's not gonna work. Okay, <laughs> okay. Hopefully we record a second one of these. Yeah, let us know what she th- what she thought of this and um.